blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 3-5 As beautiful as this passage is, when we think about the requirements to receive these blessings, it can kind of lead us down a darker outlook on life. We might be tempted to think, God, why have you not done more? Yes, it's good that you are giving us these blessings, but why would you even allow the pain and suffering experienced by those who receive these blessings to begin with? Why have you not done more to prevent this pain from even coming into the world? Why must families suffer the effects of war and poverty? Why must children suffer abuse and neglect at the hands of others? As we begin to enter into the Christmas season and think about the story of Christ's birth, there is an aspect that many of us tend to neglect. And it's the suffering and sorrow that goes in to that story. You see, while we read it, it sounds simple. Joseph and Mary travel to Bethlehem and Mary gives birth. And we paint it up beautifully with our lawn ornaments that show a stable made of wood and Joseph and Mary having this light and glow upon their faces. The magi are there presenting their gifts and the shepherds are there paying homage to the newborn king. And in reality, this is probably far from the truth. See, in Luke chapter 2, we read about this story. Many scholars estimate that the road Joseph would have had to travel is about 90 miles from Nazareth in the northern highlands of Galilee, down to Bethlehem in the southern region. This journey would not be easy. It would have followed along the Jordan River, mostly flatlands, until they turned westward to travel up steeper hillsides going towards Jerusalem. Their clothing that would have protected them would have been made from thick, heavy wool on the outside. This would help to shield them from the rain and snow and serve as their blanket at night in the cold. Their undergarments would have been long robes, a belt around the waist, and perhaps a tubular sock or sock-like substance along with closed shoes to try and protect their feet. Their journey would have been unpaved, hilly roads, harsh weather. And this is only the beginning. See, there were other hazards you had to worry about along the way. The chance of coming across bandits and thieves was common, so you would have traveled in companies. But it's not just thieves you had to watch out for. In the thick woodlands near the river, a run-in with a lion or a bear, or perhaps a wild boar, would not be uncommon. The journey would have taken them anywhere from a week to 15 days. The average soldier in that time could travel about 20 miles a day 
But when traveling with someone who was elderly or with children, this pace was probably cut in half. So Mary, being as pregnant as she was, so near to the time of Christ's birth, you can imagine we're looking at at least 10 days of travel, at 10 miles a day, long days for Joseph to walk, long days for Mary to sit uncomfortably on a donkey. Now, I want you to put yourself in this, this situation where you are either Joseph or Mary, and you find yourselves coming into this town. You finally reach Jerusalem, having eaten nothing but bread, maybe a little oil and herbs for the last 10 days. You look forward to having a more substantial meal, perhaps a warm meal at a good inn. And you search the inns only to realize that so many people are in the city, every inn you come to gives you the same answer. There is no availability. And now the sun has already set and it's beginning to get late. Mary is feeling more uncomfortable as she begins to realize that her water has just broke and her baby is on his way. And a rushed kind of panic now begins to settle in in Joseph's heart. He begins taking Mary street by street, looking for any inn, any place that they might be able to find lodging. And despite your best effort, you find yourself now coming towards the outskirts of town and still no luck. Out of desperation, you ask the last innkeeper that you see, is there anywhere that we can stay? And all he can offer you is where the animals are kept. A cave near the back of the building along a hillside where the animals are put up for the night. Yet, here, in this lonely, weary state of these two travelers, God sends forth a promise. Frail and helpless and at the mercy of others, he was not met with a royal degree or lavished with the benefits of those born to nobility. No one came to acknowledge his existence, save for a few shepherds who saw a miraculous sign in the sky. You can almost imagine, I think, the shock and surprise of the angels who proclaimed the name of their Lord, the one who created the world and who has guided Israel through its history, is met with neglect. The priests and leaders pay no attention to the signs that are being talked about in the city. And in fact, it's not until later that they even begin to examine the scriptures when wise men from the East come asking, where is the king, he who was born? From the moment of Christ's birth, poverty, suffering, and hardship were a part of his life. God knows exactly what this world is going through. And while we could point fingers to Rome 
and say that they are the cause of this suffering. If the governor had not decided for a census, then Joseph and Mary would never have had to make this long, dangerous trip. If the Romans were not oppressing the nation of Israel, then the Pharisees might have been more aware of what was going on and the times and prophecies that were being fulfilled. Yet the answer that God had to all of these problems is the same, and that is the gift of his son. God may not provide us with the answers we think we need. God may not have shown us while we are in this world why there is suffering or why he allows suffering to continue. But he has provided an answer, one that perhaps we did not expect, and that is the gift of his son. In Matthew 8, verse 6, he tells us that those who cause suffering will be held accountable. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offense. For offense must come, but woe to the man by whom the offense comes. God is not neglectful nor ignorant of what is going on in this world. In Matthew 10, 29, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. God is looking out for us even when we don't realize it. In Revelation 2, verse 10, he tells us, Do not fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw many of you in prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. But be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. So while we may not have the answer to why sin arrived on earth in the first place, we do have the assurance that God has not forgotten us. My question then to you is, having this gift, the knowledge of Christ, what will you do? Will you hide it away and look as the Pharisees did, expecting some divine miracle to come down and stop the wicked deeds that are happening in this world? Or will you play the part of Mary and Joseph, who were faithful despite their suffering, to do what they could in taking care of the one that God has given them. I don't know what you're going to do in this situation, but for myself, I'm going to stand up and say something. Yes, there may be suffering. Yes, there may be sorrow, but I'm going to do my best to relieve it where I can. And if you'd like to do that with me, then I invite you to pray with me at this time. Our Father in heaven, we may not know why sin and suffering exists, but we know that you have given us the answer that can relieve all suffering. You have promised us a solution to the pain of this world, and you have given us hope of a life eternal beyond this one. Lord, give us the mind of Christ so that we too might do his work so that we might be part of the solution you have provided to this world. Work through us, O oh Father, to heal this world, to restore 
the image of your love to it. Change our hearts and minds this day so that we would stop worrying about the worries and troubles of this life and start seeking after the solution to all of life's troubles. We thank you, Father, for this time of year which we can celebrate your birth, and we thank you for the promise of your soon return. This is our prayer, dear Father, and this is our desire. In Jesus' holy name, amen. listening to this week's episode here at Eden's Conflict. We are on a mission to transform the way you think about scripture. If you've been blessed by this podcast and would like to learn more about our other shareable resources, visit us on the web at www.edensconflict.com. Are you looking for a fun after church activity? Why not invite Eden's Conflict to demo our latest game with your church group? For availability and questions, you can message us directly through our Instagram page or send an email to info at edensconflict.com. 